Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast, the show all about the Fujifilm X series cameras, the GFX, and everything in between. We'll throw in some Instax in there, too. <laughs> I am your host, Mark Sadowski, and I am happy to say that this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. Uh, if you want the latest and greatest in articles, interviews, and helpful tips, go to fujilove.com. And great articles up there. There's the new month of November that has just been released. And joining me today is one of the contributors of one of the articles. His name is Jeffrey Weatherell. How's it going, Jeffrey? Hey, great, Mark. Great to be here. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, uh, you contributed a great article and I have been checking out your work. Uh, first of all, great to have, a, a local, uh, photographer, uh, most of the, uh, well-known Fuji photographers that I know are across the pond. And so having yeah. you in <laughs> Tennessee yeah. instead of, uh, England or, or <laughs> Germany or it, it, it's local to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a global community, but yeah, it's great to uh, to be here, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, really looking forward to it, and um, I was thrilled to also to have the article published in the the November issue. Awesome! So, just in just real quick, what kind of uh, photographer? Uh, what kind of what kind of photography <laughs> do you do? Well, in the main, I would I would say landscapes. I, I often say I tend to shoot things that don't breathe and don't move, and uh, so um, I I love landscape type of work. Um, I'm forever. We're in a state park in a forest. We're walking um, in areas where this has the scenic beauty, and I love capturing that. In fact, the the focus of my photography really is capturing the wonder W A N D E R of Tennessee. And uh, I'm a person who loves to wander. Uh, we're forever hiking and camping and, and exploring the outdoors. And I think my photography reflects a lot of those interests. You know, it's funny when you mentioned the the wander. Uh, I went to your homepage. I'm like, oh, he spelt that wrong. And then it took me a second. I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was pretty deliberate, but I'm glad you caught on to that. So, uh, yeah, I'm it took all about me a wondering and trying to, I think my photography likes to reflect that curiosity that I have about things. It so. really does. So uh, your landscape work, w w what area do you live in? Just to kind of uh, give the audience a, a taste of uh, where you are on the map. Yeah, sure. So I, I we're here in Tennessee. Uh, I've been in Tennessee for six years. We live in Chattanooga. And Chattanooga uh, oftentimes is known as uh, the, the greatest outdoor city in the country. And, uh, you know, so we have mountains, we have lakes, rivers, uh, forests. I mean, it's an incredible uh, playground for an outdoor enthusiast. And um, we're right on the border of Georgia and not far from Alabama. So uh, Chattanooga is a, is a great city. And so we're forever, as I said, exploring plenty of state parks and national forests. Yeah. And more particularly, the article was really focused on the Great Smoky Mountains, which is only about two and a half hours from here. So, um, yeah, that's that's really, um, really the focus, really, of, of a lot of the photography that I do is, is capturing all of that. So and. Again, uh, for for those of you, uh, you know what? Let's give you an early plug so that anybody who's listening right now will be able yeah. to kind of follow along. Where can they see a lot of your work? 
Yes. Yeah, so my last name is Weatherill, which is a hard last name. And years ago, in a conversation, somebody talked about, you know, taking photos like taking snaps. And so the tagline Weather Snaps came about. And so my photography uh, is Weather Snaps, no A in the word weather. So W E T H E R S N A P S, weathersnaps.com. And so, um, uh, if they go to weathersnaps.com, you'll see uh, a lot of the images. I'm also very regular on um, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Flickr as well. So awesome! And we'll give you those plugs later on uh, in the episode. Great. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, your your photography is wonderful. Let's Thank pull you. it back uh, a few years and kind of go into your origin story. What about photography? Uh, drove you to photography, <laughs> to be a little redundant there. So I'm 53 years old, and I think I started back when I was in high school, and my first camera was a Minolta X700. Oh, my God, my dad had that old camera. film camera, yes. very popular. And um, I, I got into it. I think I was just curious about photography at the time, and I was fortunate enough to be able to, to buy one and lots of rolls of film. And I used to take friends and particularly girlfriends out to a, a park that had a, a waterfall and a little split rail fence. And I would prop them up against the fence and <laughs> try to take pictures of them. And so um, I was forever exploring different angles and, you know, different lighting and different scenarios and just trying to I had no idea what I was doing, really. But I think that's <laughs> where my budding curiosity came about. So and from there, I just continued on over the years. Um, you know, I've had point and shoots. Um, and, uh, I, I sort of, I think for the early years, I took it fairly serious. I was fortunate enough to be on my college, uh, newspaper as a, as a journalist and a photographer. Uh, I shot a wedding once. Um, I did an album cover. This is kind of a funny story. A, a friend said, Hey, would you shoot an album cover of me and in this, this girl that they sang together what kind for of an album they were producing? And, uh, it was such a rush day, and uh, of course, this was the days of film. I raced around campus with them. It was at a college campus, and we got to the end, and I discovered I hadn't put a roll of film inside. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, so funny! Yeah, <laughs> and back I mean, in the days we've of done film, it before. Yeah, that's yeah, it's easy oh, you, to do. You, you remember back in the days of film? You know, you used to you, you know twenty four or thirty six shots, and then you'd send it off and pay this extortion amount of money, and hopefully, you got one picture out of the lot that you were happy with kind of thing so the, um, the one uh trap that i always got uh uh caught in was you know you check to see if there's this film film in the camera and you accidentally pop it open and realize yes yeah. there was film <laughs> it's like well <laughs> and there it sits wide open <laughs> or uh knowing that you had film in there and, and, yeah. and you go to take that first picture then you hear it's like, yeah, oh, exactly. I didn't break any extra ones. <laughs> exactly. Kids ask you oh, that so many times. <laughs> and uh, man, in the amount of money you you know you pay for the role and the processing and the time and all of that, just it was uh, quite a uh, a very different world from what we're used to today. So, it really was. But, um, yeah. But you also mentioned that you did reporting. Uh, was I that did. only for um, the the college? Yeah, when I was in college. Yeah, I was uh, you know, on the school newspaper. I learned, uh, um, you know, I used to go to events that related to the what the newspaper would covering, and I would be the photographer and take photos of them. And 
of course, back in those days, we had a dark room on the campus and I learned a little bit about dark room techniques and that kind of thing. And uh, so I, I dabbled early on. And then, as I said, a friend asked me to do a wedding and uh, again, didn't know what I was doing at all. But oh, we'll jump to the wedding in a minute. But okay. uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, the, the, yeah. The, like so you what, what kind of I mean, student events and, and things like that. So yeah. did the photojournal ask? photojournalistic aspect really capture your attention or was that something that was just kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. I think I was trying to explore a little bit of everything. I, I was, uh, you know, trying to do those kind of events and um, I bought a lighting kit at the time and yeah. I was able, fortunate enough to buy some lenses. And I tried, I, I worked when I was in high school, my senior year, I worked at a flower shop where I did flower delivery. So I, I would often take the the flower arrangements and set up a lighting in the basement of the building where I worked and try to take photos of them as well. So I, I think I was really just curious about photography and just trying to figure my way. I, I really had no idea what I was doing with the camera. I had this, you know, as I said, the Minolta X700 was a great camera, but in terms of my ability to manage it and know how it functioned and all of that, I think I was just more curious about the creative process and the output in terms of how the images looked at the end kind of thing. So, um, so that's where it all started for me. And that was, you know, over 30, 35 years ago. And I've always had a budding interest in photography ever since. And obviously the days of film gave to ways of, you know, digital processing and, and all the things that we have today. So let's and go I, into that real quick, because that's about, that puts us, uh, that tra transition from film to digital kind of puts a square in the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. That's right. Yeah. And so and it, it, during that time you went from your Minolta and point and shoot cameras. Uh, what was your first digital camera? It was a Canon. Um, it was a small little, almost a pocket camera at the time, you know, where the sensors were so tiny, Yeah, but I was so intrigued by that. And, uh, uh, just the fact that I could shoot as many as I wanted and have to send it off and get it developed and all that kind of thing. But I don't even remember the model number. I can still picture it. It was just probably a, a power shot. point shoot. Yeah, 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 that's right. And you, you know, you could stick it in your pocket and be very unassuming. And again, I was still trying to explore and figure my way with, with all of that. But, um, then about, uh, 10, 12 years ago, and, and as an aside, uh, it related to this is, I have worked in higher ed for much of my career and uh, in instructional technology. I, I actually work in IT, but right I worked in instructional technology. And one of the tools we, we bought were, were cameras because we were often doing creative things. We were helping students learn how to use GarageBand or put together a video or that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I had access to cameras. And one of the ones that we bought, we had a, we had a typical DSLR Canon, but we invested in an Olympus uh, back, it was called an EP3, I think it was called. And it was one of the early mirrorless cameras from Olympus. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this thing is about one fourth the weight of what I'm used to. And the lenses, I mean, can you really take serious camera, serious pictures with a, a camera that seems so different than what you're used to with a heavy DSLR and, and, and the... Uh, um, you know, the heavy lenses that you might have. And I was amazed at the quality. And uh, of course, I had just the, you know, the LCD on the back to look at. And that was very different for me at the time. But when was uh, this I was, again? I was really struck by how amazing the whole mirrorless and I was intrigued by it. Of course, this was early days before now it's become 
such a game changer for us. But uh, that that's really where I started to get very serious about photography again. So early days of mirrorless, uh, if I remember correctly, I, I think Sony was one of the first to to yeah. like really uh, you know kind of put on that marketing cap of no mirrors. Right. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, like my though that transition stage, I remember personally um, there being like reading magazines. And one article in particular was uh, them talking about the. I think it it was the Alpha series when they had the mm-hmm. mirrored cameras, mm-hmm. um, and, and there was an article saying that uh, with Sony's first introduction into like the professional dslr market you know they want to you know make sure they they have a solid number three uh they want to do number two in in, Mm -hmm. like two years and then take on number one uh shortly after that and back then uh you know this is the early aughts you know yeah um, i'm like that's never gonna happen yeah <laughs> that is <laughs> that is just the dumbest thing i've heard it's canon and nikon are, are so far ahead yeah. that that it is the stupidest thing and then Absolutely. i'm like hey what's this nex model camera that they have yeah. Yeah. and then all of a sudden they take over the world like maybe i mean it took a little bit longer than expected yeah. but it's like wow right look at the world exactly. we live in now but yeah, Olympus yeah, I mean, did a great I, you job. Know, you, you just have this sort of mystique about you know this this strange d- device. It felt the way you know it was it was light. It didn't have sort of you know uh, it didn't have what you felt like was a serious camera, if you will. And uh, but I was so struck by the the quality of the images that were coming out of it. And I remember buying. There were only a couple lenses available for this thing. And yes, they were they were like paper paper light. They were just so light. You put them on and you think, can you really? Uh, get a high quality image from it but i was really struck that you could and but still culturally i don't think we were there you know in terms of there were these early efforts at trying to get people to to think about mirrorless as a different setup from what we were used to but i would say for me that's when i started to really say wow i'm I really want to get serious about this, and uh, so so I used the cameras that we had available at the at the at the college, and uh, um, and, I, and and then I, I went on from there, and then I invested in a, in a Canon system, although it was a DSLR. But one of my one of my compelling things is because of the nature of the type of photography I do. We're forever, as I said, hiking or out in the woods, or you know. So I like to carry the camera with me in my hand while I'm going out, and. I didn't want heavy, heavy equipment with me. So yes. when I when I had the you know the mirrorless that suited me. But then when I bought the Canon system, I went for I think it was a Canon SL1, which was really kind of a a small bodied DSLR, but it was light enough that you could carry it with you for a good hike for four or five hours, kind of thing. It was comfortable enough, and so what so lens I was did you ha- have happy that with that? You know, kind of thing. Which lens did you have for that? Oh, I had a couple of them. I remember having a couple of zooms and a couple primes. It seemed like a, uh, I've always had some variation on an 18 to 135 kind of lens, something very versatile workhorse kind of lens, which is a larger style lens. But then I remember having a, you know, a 50 millimeter and, and all the way down to, to a 35, if I recall. And, yeah. And then um, you're fighting with a crop factor. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, 
I, I enjoyed that. But then I thought, I really want to move on from there. And uh, so I had that for a while. I was happy. And certainly the array of lenses was massive with Canon. Uh, and then I, I did a lot of homework and I decided I wanted to get a full frame camera. And even though I knew I was going to go a little bit heavier, I was impressed. And so I invested heavily in the Pentax system. And I went Oh, right K- on. Yeah. So I bought a K1 and I bought a K3 at APS-C. And, uh, and how long ago I, was that? Uh, that was about uh, four or five years, four years ago, I'd say. Okay. And so I was all in. I was into Pentax and... Um, I had, I think, uh, collected over the, that time probably about six or seven lenses, both, again, primes and zooms, and, um, and I was using them on a regular basis. However, I added some weight to, you know, the kind of photography that I do in terms of walking around with it, yeah. holding the, and it was very noticeable. And so, so this is all leading up to how Fuji came about. So during we're going to get to that, the, but I, yeah, you know, now but, that you have this uh, this arsenal at your disposal, yeah. essentially, yeah. you you've amassed your your lenses. Where are you uh, primarily shooting? What what is your inspiration? Uh, where like where in the uh, in your neck of the woods? I mean, you, you mentioned you know Smoky Mountains, but yeah. like where where are you shooting, and what? are the things that really drove you to like, what, what were your favorite subjects photographing with this new system? Yeah. So I, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm more of a landscape a cityscape. Um, and I love interesting objects too, you know, like a, I love classic cars, you know, there's a, uh, something that uh, is, is really interesting. You think you have this object that doesn't move and doesn't breathe, as I said earlier, but uh, you know, you'd like to think that photographing one of them is, is a really simple task because it's not moving, but to really capture it, to, to, to really um, capture the flavor of, of what goes into making them is, is a real challenge. I, and here's what, when it really dawned on me, I went to a car show here, not far from the house. It was on July 4th. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I had my Pentax with me and there was a, an older gentleman standing next to a Chevy Impala. It was absolutely immaculate inside and out. And he was nice, a very nice humble cars, man. Yeah. And he said, I said to him, I said, sir, you have a beautiful car. And he said, thank you very much. He said, this is my 42nd. And I said, 42nd. He said, this is my 42nd restoration of an Impala. And I thought, oh my gosh, this guy has invested his entire life into this vehicle in terms of knowing every stitch, you know, every piece of chrome. And I thought, how do I, as a photographer, capture the, the, the TLC, the investment, the care, uh, you know, the, the, you know, showing off all the particulars that he has put into this car and how do I, as a photographer, do that? It's so by photographing um, the receipt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the stitching, <laughs> or the dashboard, or the fuzzy dice, or you know the fins on the back, or the the lighting, or you know whatever it was. It's so uh, so. Anyways, it's all, going back to the point about Pentax, you know, I was using it a lot again for that. You know, when we were well, hang on, I actually want to hear how you photograph the guy's car. Yeah, so so yeah, but then I I got into doing things like that, and I really enjoyed that. In fact, I thought that that was really going to be my niche, you know. But uh, after a while, I kind of thought I need to broaden my horizons a little bit. But I certainly have a quite a car collection over the years that I I took, and in particularly with my my Pentax system. So I was I was really happy with that. So. But that said, so during the final year of having all that gear, I kept 
seeing, particularly, you know, in, in social media, I kept seeing images that were coming out of Fuji cameras, you know, the JPEGs, yep. the color renderings and the quality. And, and I would add, I think, um, the passion of, of Fuji photographers. And I would add one other piece I think that was really compelling to me, and that is uh, I felt that the company, uh, Fuji itself, had an incredible vision uh, in terms of, you know, year by year, they were producing incredible quality cameras and lenses to go with it. Whereas, and in, in no knock on Pentax, but, you know, there wasn't a lot coming out at the time for the, for the K1, the full frame, full frame camera. There were a few lenses, but it was like, what is the roadmap here, really? Yep. And I was so impressed by Fuji and, and just their vision to do that. So you've got this incredible series of products that are frequently coming out. You have a passionate community uh, that are using Fuji cameras, and then you have the quality images that are just compelling. I just would sit back from time to time, or I'd even say to my wife, look at that. Look how beautiful the coloring renderings are in that image kind of thing. And I, What was the I first Fuji camera that really sold you? Like, wh which one's the first one that you tried? Yeah, so I have the X-H1, and I, it just felt so – I did a lot of research when it came time. So That was so, your first one? So, yeah, it's the only one I own, and it's what I use all the time. Oh, so, wow. I thought you, yeah. would, you would have gone back further. No. So no, you're late to the game. Yeah, that's right. So I, after a lot of, of thought and a lot of willing to sacrifice a lot of gear <laughs> – <laughs> I packed up my entire Pentax, two cameras and lenses, put it box and shipped it off and hoped they'd give me something for it. At, uh, I think it was Adorama or B&H, I can't remember. Yeah. And of course, of course, you didn't get what you wanted for it. But I was totally committed and said, I'm going to be all in with Fuji. And I just knew it after doing a lot of research and looking at a lot of different options with, you know, between the X-Pro series or some of the older cameras, the XTs. And, the, you know, there, there was just a, a range of options out there. And so um, after doing a lot of research, I just felt the X-H1 was the perfect hybrid camera for me, particularly coming from a DSLR. Yeah. And, um, you know, in terms of size, in terms of options, I love the, the, you know, the whole um, uh, IBIS image, image stabilization and all of that. So... Uh, I I bought that and, and and I just knew that that would be the right fit and I've never looked back and I couldn't be happier. Right on. So, and and uh, so, what kind yeah. of lenses do you have with that? Yeah, so I have uh, a, a couple of uh, primes, a thirty-five and a twenty-seven pancake, which are you know the thirty-five f two and the twenty-seven uh, uh, two point eight, uh, incredibly razor sharp. Uh, I love particularly the 27 is so unassuming you put it on there you hardly know you have a lens on there kind of thing because it's yes. flat and uh but it's it, they're both great 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 lenses but i'm also a big fan and i know a lot of people aren't but i'm a big fan of zooms and so the at the 10 to 24 the 16 to 55 the 18 to 135 and then the the 55 to, to 200 so uh, I love the the flexibility that zooms give me. If the quality wasn't there, I don't think I'd be into them as much. But there is incredible quality in all of those. Um, they're incredibly sharp. They're great to use. They're light uh, and give me a lot of flexibility. And so um, 
I know some people say, you know, when it comes to Zooms, you know, well, you can be lazy, you know, a prime forces you to kind of move around. But there are many opportunities I have where if I didn't have a Zoom, I would have never been able to get the shot. Particularly oh, absolutely. The kinds of thing I'm doing. So I'm a big fan of the Zooms and the quality that Fuji is, is put into them. And, and you know, so the, the beauty of all of this is there's an incredible array of options with Fuji. Uh, it's not like you've got, you know, two or three and that's it and a couple of cameras. You, they're really producing high quality stuff year in and year out kind of thing. So Right. And so now that you have the you know you you have your uh the xh1 you have your new arsenal uh what are you now going out and photographing yeah so again playing on the theme of capturing the wonder of tennessee i'm forever uh exploring new things in terms of of what does that actually mean so there are a couple of things that are, are dominant themes in terms of my photography and the first thing is I, I love being in, in the outdoors and I love I love capturing nature um, and 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 landscapes, um, if you will. But 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 I would say this, if you look at a lot of my imagery, I think one of the compositional techniques or things that really is compelling to me are leading lines. Yes. I, I forever have, whether it's a squiggly line around a circle, a square or something that takes your eye visually through an image. I'm very attracted to that. So a bridge that brings your eye to the back of the scene or a roadway, um, that is really compelling in terms of, of, of when I'm capturing things. So if you look at my photography, you'll see a lot of leading lines in there. The second thing, playing on the word wonder, I, I love the curiosity factor. So um, oftentimes we're in the car and we're driving down a gravel road and, and it goes off to the right. I'll say to my wife, oh, I wonder what's around the bend up there. I, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I would love to know where that goes. And so a lot of times in my photography, you know, you might have a maybe a hiking trail that you're on and it's tree line and the lights coming in and it really catches your eye. But all of a sudden at the very end, it twists around the bend. And I want to create that kind of curiosity in my photography so that the viewer says, Oh wow, what's up around the bend or what's going on there kind of thing. So those things play in terms of, uh, or play in my mind as I'm trying to capture things. Um, I want to create that curiosity, usually in line compositionally. I think also I'm a real symmetry person, so I like to have things balanced in terms of what I'm shooting. Um, uh, you know, in terms of if you've got a, a tree on the left, I like one on the right or a series of them or things are in lined or whatever. Those things kind of are, are compelling in terms of when I look at a scene and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, so it's outdoor stuff. It's creative objects. Uh, like I mentioned about the car or things, you know, I did, did a whole series on things called left behind, you know, stuff that's been left to rust and rot and decay, a really cool and intriguing building that must have an incredible history, but now it's just kind of derelict, you know, yeah. how do you capture that and kind of bring it to life in a new way? So I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, as I said, going back to earlier, I tend to shoot things that don't move and don't breathe. And so maybe that's a part of my comfort zone. I have it on good authority that trees breathe. <laughs> they do. Well, that's true. <laughs> maybe not the same way as a small child or a dog running around or whatever kind of thing. But uh, I, I tend to maybe more stationary things. How's that? That's probably more you. fair. I hear you. Yeah. So that, those things, I think, are, are part and parcel with the, the kind of photography that I that I do. So are there um, any, uh, so with, with your landscape photography, uh, just to yeah. go back to that for a little bit, yeah. 
do you like dealing with the the raw files or are you a film simulation uh, person? Yeah, so I, I always shoot in both RAW and JPEG. Um, I think I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind. Um, the great thing about a RAW file is it's got all the data and detail, and uh, you can spend plenty of time working with that in terms of post-production. But then on the other hand, there are incredible JPEGs coming straight out of the camera that I just sit and say, wow, you know, just in terms of the color renderings or or the quality of just uh, you know the sharpness of the of the lens or that kind of thing, and so I'm, I'm I'm often happy with the file that I have with the JPEG, and I'm finding more recently I'm actually if I'm editing if at all I'll, I'll be editing the JPEGs, and I'm I'm a Lightroom user, so I import those in, and I will use that. Uh, I store all my stuff in Google Photos, and some they have very small crude tools, but they, they work. And, and oftentimes just those tiny little touches will make a difference. And recently I just bought the, uh, the whole, um, Nick collection as well. And I'm really impressed with, uh, some of the tools and features there, but I shoot both uh, JPEG and raw, but I, more recently, I, I think I've tend to gravitated more toward the JPEG. Uh, I will say this, there was a period of time where I was going out and shooting, you know, you come back from, say you've been out all day and you've just shot 500 shots and, you're, they're all in raw files and you know you're going to have to to post produce and i know there's all way, all kinds of ways to be efficient in terms of how you do that but yeah there were times where i was finding the post-production was getting really laborious uh, and i was like you know sometimes you just want to go shoot come home and enjoy the photos that uh, that you took too so uh so I, I i've tended recently to really focus on the jpegs yeah i hear yeah. you one of my favorite photos that you have uh and it's featured on your site uh -huh. um it is uh, the Sequoia Valley. Am I saying that right? Which one? Let me see if I. It's oh, the a Sequ fall the photo. Sequatchie Valley. Sequatchie Valley. Sequatchie Valley. It's uh, yeah. Dunlap, Tennessee. Yeah, Dunlap in Dunlap, Tennessee. That's right. It is. So you have the Cumberland Plateau that kind of runs just adjacent to Chattanooga, and it runs straight up uh, up, up to the Kentucky border. It is, a and very there's lots of hiking there. Yeah, but this is. Uh, uh, actually, the, when you look at that image on the Sequatchie Valley at the very top, you can't see it in the photo, but uh, that's a hang gliding uh, club that's up there. And so they oh, right would on. kind of float over top of all that. You'll see hang gliders out there. But that was taken in the fall. Uh, just really love the colors that were really subtle, uh, you know, here in Tennessee. Um the season, the, the 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 subtlety of the color changes are a little bit longer than you might find when you get the really stark contrast in the Northeast, say, and, you know, when we used, I used to live in upstate New York near Syracuse for 10 years before we came here. And that season was so, it just really hits you with a burst of colors. Uh, this is much more subtle. And, yes. And uh, this is one of those things where you see only after peak foliage. And we get right. this in New, uh, New England, too. And this mm -hmm. is actually my very favorite time of year because yeah. uh, it is, you know, d during the peak season, you have a lot of tourists that come in. They do just, you know, rush in and then rush out, uh, but stick around long enough. And you get that instead of that, you know, those bright, vibrant colors, you get these nice warm tones that just stick around and you have the gold, you have the orange mm -hmm. and you have the, the brown uh, which make for a very just a soothing uh, landscape. And, yeah. and this is something that is near and dear to me. That's why yeah. I love this photo so much. In the oh, foreground, you. you have the, yeah, the, the it's, it's a lot brighter. 
Uh, and in the background, you have that, you know, that soft subdueness and yeah. it, it's uh, getting ready for uh, sleepy time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Where we get hammered with snow yeah. and then uh, God help us all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. So when I came to Tennessee from upstate New York because of that, you know, we the, the winters here are much more subtle. So yeah. when... You know what it's like in the Northeast. I mean, basically everybody. You know, you go through this beautiful color arrays in October, and then November, you're going to start the hibernation process. You know, the mower goes in down to the basement or the garage, and everything gets tucked away, and and all of that. And then I moved to Tennessee, and people didn't. You know, the boats stayed in the water. People didn't clean out the swimming pools. I mean, it was just like crazy stuff that I thought. When is the hibernation going to begin? But it never did. And so it's because that season, I think, is a little bit longer and a bit more subtle. But uh, that that picture kind of captures the subtlety and in, in some of those orangey peaks that were, were coming through at that period of time. So, yeah, for, for us here in, in New England, it's it's your last chance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. For you guys, you, you get to enjoy the mint julep a little bit longer (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly exactly so all of that you know i think is kind of backdrop to full circle to the article then that was in the november issue yes and um uh i uh it's it's living close to the great smoky mountains it's one of the most beloved parks in the world and and it attracts over 11 million visitors a year i'm fortunate enough that we as a family can go over there a couple times a year we often joke that oh let's have a smokies weekend kind of thing and we'll go over on a friday and come back on a sunday but we always have a couple places that we go so on the particular trip that lend itself for the article and the images that are there, there, uh, I, I deliberately said, I'm, I'm only going to take my 10 to 24 and I'm going to shoot wide the whole time. I just want to capture the grandeur of the place. I really want to focus on seeing the, the, the landscape for what it is, because wherever direction you look, it has an incredible array of beauty. Uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the outskirts of the Smokies, you have some really great touristy towns between Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. And yeah. we come in through Townsend, which is called the peaceful side of the Smokies. But, you know, in the backdrop to those towns, which are heavily touristed and very, very um, highly sought after in terms of going there for a weekend kind of thing, you've got these, these wonderful mountains in the back. But I wanted to go and really step back from it all and shoot wide, as wide as I possibly could the whole weekend. Yeah. What time so of year would, is this? Sorry? What time of year is this? I took these. Uh, this would have been in April time. Um, yeah, so it would have been just sort of, you know, as we're coming out of the not, you know, you would get a little bit of snow over there. But, you know, the the rivers are flowing heavily uh, April time. You know, the mountains are really starting. The greenery is starting to show through that yeah. kind of thing. So. Uh, we went, it was, uh, it was actually my, my wife's birthday. We went over, uh, during that time. And so, um, uh, why we, whenever we go over, there's a, there's a little area called Cade's Cove and, uh, Cade's Cove is, is like, a an old rustic, uh, I want to call it a settlement, but it's a, a 11 mile motor loop, one way motor loop that passes through you know, old rustic cabins and, uh, you know, places where you knew that a hundred years ago, the settlers were living there, little cemeteries, there's some yeah. old churches over there. There's a, an old grist mill, that kind of thing. And so 
So the story that featured in the Fuji Love magazine in November is really that weekend shooting wide and capturing those images as we traveled around both the Smokies as well as around Cades Cove. And there's never a shortage wherever you pull over uh, and get out of the car for two seconds. You've just got this this beautiful array of mountains or trees or, you know, animals or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's amazing. So I was trying to capture that on the trip, but shooting wide and just reminding myself and hopefully the readers as well that, you know, sometimes shooting wise helps you see things in ways that you never would because we often shoot close up and we're trying to zero in on a certain object or a, a certain perspective on things, but shooting wide sometimes helps you to see things in brand new ways. And that's what that was all about. Excellent. And anybody want to check, uh, anybody who wants to check this out, go to Fuji Love Magazine. Oh, yep. <laughs> my cat's yeah. back there being uh, <laughs> a little aggressive. <laughs> uh, they're, they're rushing off to the computer to uh, check it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, just don't make a mess, guys. <laughs> there you go. Go, go to FujiLove.com and check out the article. And I mean, great images, great, uh, uh, great write up. Uh, I think it was wonderful. And well, thank you, um, my friend. That that was some exciting stuff. And I am so happy that you are enjoying the the XH one. What's mm -hmm. in the future for uh, for you? What what kind yeah, of projects great. do you have in mind? Yeah. So I um. One of the things I've been doing is, uh, particularly on social media, I, I kind of have gravitated toward posting around a theme every month. And so, um, so like one theme I did uh, was about leading lines. One another theme was about bridges and walkways. Yeah. Um, and one was about you know stuff that's been left behind. And so, if I have ten or fifteen quality images around those themes, you know, I try to post that every couple of days, say on Facebook or Instagram, and so on and so forth. And last month I had the privilege Fuji Love had did Fuji Love Live, which morphed into doing a street photography workshop with Tomash and Jens Krauer. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go and do street photography, which is something I've never done before. And uh, it was in New York City, and uh, we started right in Times Square and got a great introduction to all of that with Jens and, and Tomash. And there were 15 of us, and it was just such a great experience. So this nice. month, I'm posting images from my experience as a street photographer. So um, if you're following along or you look at those, please don't laugh. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning my way about street photography. But going forward in the future, I think I'll continue on the track of trying to gravitate toward themes. Uh, that that really helped me anchor my photography. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I know I'm going to do a series on trees. Um, uh, I find them really intriguing. Um, but I will continue to nurture, I think, uh, the whole landscape, capturing the wonder of Tennessee and figure out what does that mean? And um, I think one of the things I'm striving as a photographer all the time is to see things in new and, and engaging in differing ways. I often joke, you know, I'm sure of the Eiffel Tower every day. There must be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of photos that are taken. But how do I, as a photographer, capture in an interesting and different way than anyone else before? And that's all about perspective and trying to see things with new eyes. And I think as a photographer, I'm striving toward that. So as I go forward, those would be things that I'm, I'm concentrating on in terms of thematic kind of approaches, as well as seeing things with new eyes with terms of what I'm doing. Awesome. Very cool, right. man. 
I can't wait to see more of it. Uh, oh, thank you. Let the audience know where they can find you on the web as we uh, wrap things up. Where, Absolutely. <clears throat> what Instagram and uh, yeah, yeah. So let me. Yeah. So, so sorry about again, that. My, my name, my name is Jeffrey Weatherill. <laughs> And playing on the idea of Weatherill, uh, uh, my photography is Weather Snaps, W E T H E R Snaps, Weathersnaps.com. So you can go to my website there. On social media, look up Weather Snaps Photography. I have my own page, um, as well as on Instagram, Weather Snaps Photography. And then I, I, um, I, I also post uh, under that same name on, on Flickr as well. So you can find me at any one of those places. Uh, you can reach out to me, weathersnaps at gmail.com. Um, would love to hear from from folks and love to interact and hear more from from others about what they're doing and talk shop and photography. So I will say this. I'm an absolute passionate Fuji lover, and I couldn't be happier with what I'm doing, and I look forward to being part of the community going forward. Awesome. It's good Great. to have you, man. And, of course, always check out fujilove.com for the latest and greatest and more articles from other photographers. And you can always see more tips and advice. Jeffrey, great talking to you. You uh, too, Mark. You are uh, a talented photographer, and yeah. I can't wait to see more. I'm already following you on uh, Instagram, and uh, can't wait to see more, man. I look forward to seeing more of your stuff as well and uh, connecting more with our Fuji Love community. And uh, thanks so much for this opportunity. Again, congrats on the new role, hosting the podcast. We look forward to uh, this going forward. Awesome. Thanks, man. And of course, again, one more time, where can they find you on uh, Instagram? On Instagram, Weather Snaps Photography. Uh, Awesome. And you can find me, Mark Sadowski, on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for Mark Sadowski, and that's Mark with a C. We will see you next time. Great. Thanks so much.